Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. On this segment of Employment Matters, our Travel Tuesday program is focused on doing business in, which helps our collective clients understand the important aspects of doing business around the globe. On this show, our ELA lawyers share with us key information that employers need to know in order to do business in their jurisdiction. Joining us today on the program is our ELA Belgian member firm, Lydian, and from that firm is Kato Ertz, a counsel at the firm. Kato is going to share with us the issues we need to know about doing business in Belgium. Kato, welcome to the program. How are you today? Thank you. Very well. How are you? Good. You know, I enjoy listening to your podcast as well. For our listeners, Kato's voice is probably not strange to you. She is one of our ELA members from Europe that does a number of podcasts. I think you're on with Italy this morning, right? Yes, I did. It was a very interactive debate on the furlough system in Italy. Sure, that was great. So folks, watch for that coming up in an upcoming episode. But for this one, Kato, it's all about Belgium. So let's talk about that country and what we need to do or understand rather to do business in Belgium. So can you give us a general overview of your jurisdiction, something about the economy, population, and so forth? Let's hear what that's all about. Sure. As you may know, Belgium is a federal state, which is divided into three semi-autonomous regions. We have Flanders, which is Dutch-speaking. We have Lunia, which is mostly French and also for a small part German-speaking. And then we have Brussels, which is bilingual. And the federal parliament is competent for approving the majority of employment laws, but certain competences are regional, such as the approval of work permits and the legislation on a placement, for instance. Belgium has a very open economy. It is centrally located in Europe, and it offers a reliable socioeconomic environment for investors. And on January 2021, Belgium had 11,521,238 legal inhabitants, according to the official figures of Statbel, which is the Belgian statistical office. The COVID-19 pandemic had quite the impact on several demographic phenomena. The natural balance, which is the difference between births and deaths, is negative in Belgium for the first time since the 1940s. Employer and employee relations are mainly governed by Belgian employment laws, collective bargaining agreements, work regulations on company level, and individual employment contracts. They aim in particular at defining employees' and employers' rights and obligations, and they lay down rules on matters such as hiring and dismissing employees, employment conditions, working time, minimum wage, holidays, etc. And the collective bargaining is a key mechanism, really, through which employment standards are established in Belgium. They occur on three levels. On the national level, they are adopted by the National Labor Council and numbered. You may recognize them by their number. For instance, CBA number 109 really talks about the rules on unfair dismissal. Then on a second level, we have CBAs at industry level, uh, which are negotiated and concluded within so-called joint labor committees. A joint labor committee is a sector-level body composed of an equal number of employee and employer representatives, and they adopt all kinds of employment conditions and salary conditions within a certain sector. And then you have CBAs at company level, which are concluded between the employer and the trade unions, and they determine specific employment and salary conditions for that specific company. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about the industries in Belgium. And I've been through there back when I was in college. I went through there and I remember pretzels and beer and French fries and mayonnaise and all those other things. But tell us a little bit about today's Belgium and what are some of the key industries that you have there? Well, don't forget about chocolates, though. Oh, those that's are very true. important I, as well. You know what? <laughs> I, I think I had a bit of a chocolate coma. That's why I didn't remember that. So yes, <laughs> chocolates are pretty important. Exactly. 
Well, most of the industries in Belgium are located in the most populous regions in the northern part of the country, particularly in Flanders and around the city of Brussels. The strong sectors of the Belgian industry are the chemical industry, the food industry, which we discussed already, the pharmaceutical industry, and the manufacture of basic metals and fabricated metal products. Belgium imports most of its semi-finished and raw material goods, which are processed and exported as finished goods, to different countries around the world. And Belgium has relatively few natural resources except for coal, which is no longer exploited because it's not economically viable anymore, and the fertile soils. However, different industries are found within the country, which include refining, textiles, chemicals, steels, pharmaceuticals, food processing, electronics, machinery fabrication, and automobiles. The service sector accounts for about 74.9% of the country's gross domestic product, and agriculture contributes approximately 1% of the gross domestic product. So let's talk about employing people in there. And again, it sounds like Belgian imports raw materials, makes great products, sends them out. So the internal country operations where people are working, and you mentioned a few different structures, but what are some of the key structural issues we need to address when we are employing locally in Belgium? Well, a foreign company can engage people directly in Belgium and does not need to set up a local subsidiary, which is quite interesting. Not having a formal subsidiary, however, does not automatically exempt the company from taxation in Belgium. Foreign companies might also be deemed to have a so-called permanent establishment. And the existence of a permanent establishment does not depend on any formal decision of the company, but it is assessed on a factual basis. Work in Belgium can be performed as an employee or on a self-employed basis, commonly referred to as freelancers or independent contractors or consultants. And obviously, an employee works under the authority of their employer, whereas a self-employed worker has full freedom and autonomy in organizing their work. Employees in Belgium are protected by strict Belgian employment laws and adhere to the social security scheme for employees. The most important advantage of a self-employed relationship lies in the cost-net ratio of fees awarded, which is more favorable than the cost-net ratio of salary paid to employees. Also, parties sometimes prefer to work on a self-employed basis rather than to conclude an employment contract because a self-employed status is more flexible. The strict and protective rules of employment law do not apply there, and it's also, as I mentioned, financially more attractive since there are lower social security costs to be paid. There is, however, and that's important as a takeaway, I think, for our listeners, no free choice between an employment contract and a self-employed status. This will all depend on the way in which the contract is carried out in reality. Key factors to determine whether we are dealing with an employment relationship or a self-employment status are, first of all, the will of the parties, secondly, the freedom to organize one's work and working time, and then also the possibility of supervision by the employer or the company engaging the worker. Companies wishing to hire personnel in Belgium must first comply with certain formalities. They must, amongst others, register with the National Office for Social Security and also the Office for Direct Taxes to enable payment of income tax retained at source on employee's salary. They must also conclude an industrial accident insurance and set up an internal health and safety service. The purpose of this service is to ensure employees' health and safety in the workplace. An employer must appoint at least one health and safety advisor and must sign up to a recognized external health and safety service for medical health checks and other advice on health and safety at work assuming, of course, the employer does not have the necessary knowledge to do that themselves, which is mostly the case if they are setting up a business in Belgium for the first time. Finally, the employer must also appoint an authorized agent, 
to keep the compulsory employment documents and act as a postbox to which all official correspondence is sent by the National Office of Social Security. In Belgium, there are different types of employees, such as blue and white-collar workers, students, sales representatives, remote workers, temporary workers, temporary agency workers, all with their specific regulations. And what's important to know is that there is a strong employment representation and social dialogue culture in Belgium. Employees can be represented in three different bodies at company level. Those are the Health and Safety Committee, the Works Council, and the Trade Union Delegation. A Health and Safety Committee is mandatory as of the moment the company employs 50 employees, and the members are elected every four years during social elections. The next ones will be coming up in 2024. The Health and Safety Committee has an advisory role in all matters related to well-being and health and safety at work. Then you have the Works Council, which is also mandatory, but the threshold is different. It's mandatory as of 100 employees, and also the members are elected during social elections. Again, the Works Council has a mainly advisory role, except for some exceptions where, for instance, a company wants to change the work rules. And the Works Council mainly serves as a forum for a strong cooperation between management and staff. And then finally, you have the trade union delegation, which is installed according to the principles set out in the applicable industry-level CBA and at the request of one or more trade unions. Within the trade union delegation, the parties negotiate on company-level collective bargaining agreements, and the trade union delegation must also be consulted on the application of regulations within the company. And then lastly, and that's one final point I just wanted to give to our listeners, is what is really noteworthy about Belgium is the use of language in HR relations. I mentioned already at the start of this podcast that we have several languages, three official languages to be more precise, and it's also very strictly regulated, which is sometimes a challenge to explain to foreign clients. So for employers having their place of business in the Brussels region, all documents meant for the staff need to be drafted in French for the French-speaking members of the staff and in Dutch for Dutch-speaking members of staff. The sanction there is replacement of the document in the correct language upon request of the employee or the authorities. For employers having their place of business in the Flemish region, all documents must be in Dutch. And for employers located in the Walloon region, they must be in French, regardless of the native language of the employee. So even if you have a French-speaking employee working in Flanders, all documents need to be drafted in Dutch. And there, the sanction is quite severe because all documents will be null and void if they are not drafted in the correct language. Employers having their place of business in the German language region must draft their documents in German again, regardless of the native language of the employees involved. And there, the sanction is replacement. So it's an easier sanction there. You have the possibility to replace the document, but still, it's a very big point of attention when doing business in Belgium. Sounds like there's a business in Belgium for translating documents, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure, yeah. <laughs> well, so let's let's get into just an, in a nutshell. And again, that was a great recap, but the general business climate, would you describe it as pro-business or pro-employee in Belgium? Well, both actually. I mean, Belgium is a very open economy, as I mentioned. It's relatively easy to start up a business in Belgium. There aren't too many difficult regulations when you start to employ people here. I mean, we are also ideally located. It could be a great base to reach out to other European countries. We have a very business-friendly tax system. And also, since recently, we have an exemption from social security contributions for the first employee of every company. And then we have some reductions for the second to the sixth employee. So that's very favorable and a very, let's say, advantage system for, for employers doing business in Belgium. On the other hand, of course, as is the case in many of our neighboring countries, Belgian labor law legislation 
is very protective of the employee. And as a result, companies have less room for maneuver and they need to comply with mandatory rules that cannot be set apart even if the employee and the employer would agree to it. So read, have a good labor and employment attorney on your team when you bring exactly. your business there. Great. Hey, let's wrap up with one final question. Again, it's had a lot to do with most of our jurisdictions, particularly with travel restrictions and COVID and other issues. Even now, we've got refugees moving from one country to another. So what are the prospects for cross-border business in Belgium within the region? And also, have there been any impacts on immigration lately? Is it difficult? Are there any special programs? Anything you can share with us would be great. Yeah, you know, Belgium is a, is a fairly small country in the heart of Europe. So that means that most Belgians speak more than one language and are used to engaging in international business. So it makes Belgium the ideal starting point for cross-border business for sure. Employing employees from non-EU countries, so non-EEA member states in Belgium, is subject to certain formalities, however. So that's really to protect the labor market in Belgium and non-EEA nationals must obtain prior authorization to work in Belgium they must have what we call a Belgian residence permit as well. So until 2019, non-EEA employees who were not exempt under any category had to obtain two separate documents. They had to get a work permit and a residence permit. And this system still applies in case of a short-term employment of maximum 90 days in Belgium. But in 2019, the system was also changed. And now we have stepped towards a single permit procedure where you can obtain both with one application procedure. As a general rule, Belgium does not give work permits or single permits to foreign citizens, as I mentioned, to protect the Belgian labor market. But a work permit will be issued if an alternative candidate cannot be found in Belgium who fulfills all the job criteria, even with appropriate vocational training within a reasonable time frame. And there are, of course, several exceptions. For instance, for highly skilled employees, they can obtain the necessary permits as well. And it's not only applicable to employees. Independent service providers coming to Belgium need a professional card, which is a similar document, but that's also, let's say, a permit required to be able to do business in Belgium. Wow. So great update. And as always, a very interesting discussion. Thanks so much for your time today, Kato. My pleasure. If you'd like to connect with Kato, you can find her bio by clicking on her name in the description of this podcast. Please visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, Get access to on-demand content from our online library or access information in the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.